0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowitch Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm
1: Faisal Carmelli, my co host here, Dave Popowitch. How you doing, buddy?
0: I'm terrific, Faisal. How about you?
1: Can't stop with
0: this weather. Oh. I know it's uh <laughs> well I got I got seven holes of golf in this week and that was the first time I swung the club it was a bit of an embarrassment I'll admit but it was seven holes that I don't think I'm going to get for the rest of the month here it's nasty <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised people actually go golfing in Calgary <laughs>
1: like you get four uh, days out of the year and then
0: no normally it's pretty good it, yeah? well, this is weird yeah I mean May we we May We do get some rain here, but yeah, I'm with you. It's cold and rainy. We need this to end. Winter needs to end. Winter needs to end. Yeah. Yeah. And so
1: this is part of the problem we're seeing in regards to the markets and so forth about, is it winter coming again concept? I think um, today's show is going to be a very good show. We're going to talk about our competitiveness or lack thereof in Canada versus other other countries. So we've got MP Michelle Rempel will be joining us. Uh, We'll be talking about how There are many individuals and couples who are hurting their retirement, damaging their retirement because they want to help their adult children.
0: Yep. Uh, yes, right. So, and if you're helping, you, you know, there'll be people listening. And say, that's me. You're not alone. Like this is a, there's some issues here. We got to talk about that, right? People need to be conscious of so this. So when you
1: have a lack of competition mm-hmm. or you're struggling co- in a country like ours right now to be competitive versus others, when you're giving away part of your money to your children and you're taking it away from your retirement and then you have what we had in the markets today yeah. or this week, this sorry. Week. Yeah, this week. um yeah, very interesting time, a very um, challenging time.
0: So we got to we got to talk about uh, market volatility, and it's going to sound a bit like Groundhog's Day, but you know it's um, it's it, it's frightening for a lot of people. Um, you know, we come into uh, work Monday morning, we wake up, and um, you know we had a six hundred point plunge in uh, U.S. indexes, or the Dow, in this particular case, uh, on that day, and. In, you know the communication. The, the tweet storm happens again, right? There's there's these mixed messages as the Trump administration uh, seems to want to negotiate everything in public, right? And listen, any negotiation you've ever been involved in, and I've been involved in, and anybody that's listening, you understand that there's steps forward, there's steps backwards through the process and through time. Correct. I think what's really unique about uh, what's happening, for better or for worse, is that we're seeing a lot of that. That backroom conversation that would have been uh, taking place through any negotiation, we're seeing it in public, and it's it, you know it's coming out rapidly, and and it and it forces people to reprice their expectations, right? So why do we have a six hundred point crash in a day? Really did did world assets literally devalue by one trillion dollars in one day? You know something that fundamentally changed maybe, and so we're 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 back in the situation where what's news, what's noise. Okay. What's my investment thesis? Do I have to change my investment thesis and get more conservative? Right. This is the environment that we're in. This week was, again, another reminder of this. Let me throw you an idea that
1: I've been I've been having this week. Um, With the volatility that we've seen, a lot of it um, was literally minute by minute on the tweets of Donald Trump. Right. Okay. Do you feel that now the market has more confidence, or uh, has more confidence in Trump? Because if he says something is going well, market goes up. When he says uh, something's not going well, market goes down. Do they really trust him? Do they actually have that confidence that he can actually do what he said he's going to do? And when he can't and he announces it, they start to walk away. I'm finding that the markets are moving more and more in sync with the Twitter feed because they're more reliant and they find it to be a credible source. And that's why they're reacting the way they are.
0: I yeah. I don't know about that. Um, I'll take Monday as an example. I guess if you took Trump at his word on his Twitter feed um, and you really felt, uh, you know, this is a massive escalation in the trade war, a 600-point drops nothing. It could be much worse. I mean, if, if – if and remember, on Monday, we didn't just have an escalation in the trade uh tensions between China and the U.S. At that time, we still had the risk of a Friday decision um, pending on uh, Japan and Europe with the auto tariffs. Now, what most people don't understand is trade between China and U.S. is about 3% of world trade. Global auto trade's 8%. It's way worse problem than, than the Chinese trade is, right? And so I, I think that you can't completely discount when he says something, he is the president of the United States and has a tremendous amount of power in this. But I'm not sure that the market, um, uh, uh, you know, fully would be pricing that in. I think they still believe that there's, there's a lot of language that takes place that he's not going to follow through on, right?
1: Last week, we were in Washington, D.C. We met with um, quite a few people that, are, uh, that were or are influencers in uh, the political stream out in Washington. Um, a lot of the conversation was about Trump. A lot of the conversation was about
0: how he's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's and by the way, he said that. That's part of his thing. Like he has said repeatedly, we need to be more unpredictable. So he's he doing he's what he do, said he, he was he's doing, doing. What he's saying. He's yeah. Doing. yeah,
1: absolutely. W- one thing that um, I didn't hear once, and we must have spoken to or heard from six. Seven in different individuals from FBI. Former FBI uh,
0: director, uh, former CIA director. Uh, Ambassador Sherwin, uh, Bob Woodward, done a lot of research. He wrote the book Fear. A lot of people that have some insights.
1: Not one of them, at least in my memory, said economically we're in trouble. That's correct. They all said geopolitically, right. relationship with other countries. Right. But not one of them said what he's doing is going to mess up our economy the us economy well well yes they, i'm agreeing with you the us economy they're not
0: worried about the world they in washington they only worry about us there was some concern about the trade issue cuz the, the trade issue will impact us economy
1: yeah but it there wasn't a
0: highlight of the it con- wasn't of anybody's conversation like when that's, you're sitting in right. front of a, guy, a couple no. of guys
1: who are who are managing money for people you yeah. might want to highlight that as yeah. your as your message yeah. that was the 13th point that they made yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah I agree. and so my, my my argument behind although trump is doing what he's doing and the, and he's rubbed people the wrong way um there's been a lot of animosity towards him no one's saying this is this is going to be bad for the the global economy no one's saying trump equals bad global economy
0: yeah uh, well how they how they express that uh, was really through i guess the unpredictable the unpredict- unpredictability and if a mistake ultimately gets made, right? Clearly, if we go to a full-blown trade war with China, um, or the U.S. does, there, there there will be an impact on both economies, right? Yeah. So so we can't say. It, but it wasn't. They were concerned about the really they, they were talking about the position um, and the responsibility that a U.S. president has on a global basis and that this is a major departure from you know what we've seen in the past. not conventional. Not <laughs> conventional. No that's not news to anybody, right? But you're right, it wasn't highlighted to say this is, you know, this is
1: a problem. So so with, with based on that, yes, we have we have problems in in this world for sure. I'm I'm fine that the, the the markets and the people are still more comfortable with Trump doing what Trump doing. They they don't they may not like what he says, and mm. that's the reaction. Well, but but they're following it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, true. There's all, all credibility. Is true. All is true. Everything's true there. And, um, and this is the problem for investors, right? This is the emotional piece that we talk about. Because what you can ex- is, is, if we're going to, if he's going to negotiate in public, then and markets will give at least lend some credence to what he says and follow direction. Then what you can say is, unfortunately, um, as we go through the process and it's messy, any negotiation is. You're going to have ups and downs, and that's a volatility question, yeah. right? So it 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 poses very specific problems and challenges for. In particular, retail investors, right? This is my money. I've worked my whole life and it's got to support me for a lifetime. There is an emotional connection to those ups and downs. People get terrified. So we've got, we got to accept that it is what it is, right? This is the environment that we're in. Yep. Got it. What are we going to do about it? Right? Keep uh, the date. We have to be data dependent. You can't be emotional. Right. And you've got to adjust with the data.
1: And I'm finding that there are people who give us a call for second opinions on their portfolios and so forth and their retirement situation. And when when they ask for that and they start talking about these types of issues in the volatility market, what they're hoping for, and it's hope, that whoever that they're investing their money with are market timers. Are able to understand oh, what's going yeah. to happen before it happens, it's interesting. so that they can minimize their risk. It's either you know what's going to happen, so you're going to protect me, right. or you know what's going to happen, so you're going to maximize right. my results. Right. And I don't know anybody that can do that. No,
0: no. Well, and, and let me let me just because that's a really interesting point because we had a few conversations this week where there's an expectation by investors that you know that Dave and Faisal or Wood Gundy or there's some entity that knows. When the recession is going to happen, as an example, correct? Okay? Nobody knows that, or what it, Trump's going to do, right? No, nobody knows that. In, in fact, even Trump doesn't know some <laughs> days today. But but the recession is an interesting one because we only mark that history only marks the recession, the beginning of the recession, okay? Uh, six months into the future, at least minimum. six months, in a, minimum, yeah, right. And generally, it's twelve months out. So you don't go with that. That it, it, it's that's hope. Right. Nobody knows that. Because if anybody knew that, right, you'd be trading around those highs and lows in the marketplace and you'd be a gazillionaire.
1: Yeah. And I think even even takeout recession put in any kind of activity Correct. or issue happening in the world. Well, you should know what to do and when to do it. Right. And I think that mindset as an investor sets you up for failure. Every time. You will never be content. You will never be happy with your your portfolio, regardless. Risk or return. Right. Either way. And and so when that happens, then you start to reflect on your retirement and what you do with your life and your money. Right. And that can change and actually become a spiral effect. So the insecurity of what's going on in your portfolio will translate into insecurity to what's going to happen
0: in your retirement. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay. We've got to wrap this up. We went a little bit long here. Uh, but let's remind everybody about our upcoming seminar because we're going to talk about exactly that and how to, how to plan and protect. Yeah. That.
1: Let's take away that insecurity and yeah. bring some more confidence to your retirement. We're going to talk about bulletproofing your retirement on Tuesday, June 4th, 7 p.m. At the Carriage House Inn, you need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966 8400. That's 966 8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: Is Canada competitive in the global marketplace? A lot of people would say no. We're going to talk directly to Ottawa and find out. Tune in after the next break. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. You know, Faisal, we have lots of conversations, and particularly, you know, with our Alberta clients. Um, you know, we've gone through a long period here where people are feeling uh, the lack of competitiveness in our province. We had lots of job losses, right? It, it, maybe we got a little turn of hope here. We've had a change of government, so there, there is some optimism happening right Correct. now. Yep. But even if you go beyond that, right? Um, we got lots of questions about about Canada and its comp- its relative competitiveness, and you know, should we be investing in Canada or not? Even when we speak to global investment
1: portfolio managers, pension plans, so forth. When they look at Canadian businesses that are publicly traded and private corporations where they can invest into as well, they find that the competitive edge in Canada is limited versus elsewhere in the world. So their flow of capital, the money where they can invest, can go anywhere in the world. They're not choosing Canada as their top five uh, choices in the world. Yeah, no,
0: I agree. So we want to talk a little bit about that. We've got the Honorable Michelle Rempel, she's MP, Calgary Nose Hill and Official Opposition for Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship, um, and a regular contributor to our show. Uh, Michelle, welcome back.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, can we talk a little bit about, um, uh, I guess, an update from Ottawa? There, There is, um, certainly from an investment community perspective, concerns about Canada's um, competitiveness. We've become a little bit less competitive. I wouldn't mind just maybe starting with an open-end uh, palette for you to just give us your thoughts, a little bit of thinking around where we are um as a country, uh,
2: you know I think you've framed out the issue really well in saying that um, Canada has become less competitive. And you know, from that point, let's kind of break down what that means. To me, competitiveness. You know, if you're if, if you're looking at making an, an investment into Canada or starting a business or uh, whatever, regardless of the size, you're looking at a few factors, right? You're looking at the regulatory environment. Um, Wages and labor supply, um, access to trade agreements, tariffs, taxes, and most importantly, political stability. Um, and 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 you're looking at those factors from the perspective of measuring them against other similar jurisdictions. And Mm -hmm. right now, there's a problem between Canada and the United States. So when you start going through all of those criteria and looking at some of the changes that have been made, um, particularly at the federal level over the last few years, but certainly in Alberta under the previous government as well, it's just a perfect storm that on every one of those criteria, if you start looking at jurisdictions in the U.S., specifically, we're not... We fall behind, and that's where we've seen capital flight to the United States. But not just capital, labor, mm-hmm. talent out investment, and our inability to reattract foreign invest direct uh, foreign direct investment. And that has a huge ripple effect on the economy that I could, you know, go on at length for. Um, But I think it's pretty intuitive to understand what that means. You know, losses of jobs, um, you know, less lucrative uh, investment climate, um, et cetera. So competitiveness, I really think, is a a crisis. It's like a hidden crisis in Canada right now that's really going to bear some negative fruit uh, over the next five to ten years if these courses aren't corrected.
0: Yeah, and I, I think maybe that's uh, that's the crux of the conversation. So, um, if our current path isn't necessarily the one we need to be on from an economic perspective, and we can address environmental issues and whatever you want to talk about there, but but give us some thoughts as to the, the corrections. Where, where are the course changes that you think need to be made in order to get us to a place where global capital sees us as a stable economic environment? That's you know that's got uh, a good balance between regulatory and and, um, and, and business interests, economic interests?
2: Um, well, I think right now uh, the natural resource sector is an interesting um, industry to look at in terms of um, a, like a, a broader case study and what needs to happen. And that's because the government has changed the regulatory environment so much uh, with, with the outcome being uncertainty in these processes. So, for example, um, a lot of the changes that are being proposed in Bill C-69, this Mm -hmm. is a major piece of legislation that we're trying to fight in Ottawa right now. Um, We we call it the No More Pipeline Mm Bill. What it does is it changes the review processes uh, for natural resource uh, projects in Canada. Um, It doesn't really change the environmental outcome, but it does change an investor's ability to look at if an outcome is going to happen in a certain period of time. I'm oversimplifying, but it's really that political instability that needs to be removed. Uh, We need to go back to a system of saying, look, we're going to have a robust regulatory review for energy products, uh, projects, but we're going to do it in a defined period of time. uh, And we're not going to be outsourcing uh, land use, uh, judgments away from the legislative body and into the regulatory regulators' hands. So that's like one industry-specific case example, but then you start looking at a more macro level. Um, the carbon tax has really, uh, you know, I, I use the steel industry as an example. Mm-hmm. So Canadian steel is already facing a problem from the Chinese, uh, where the Chinese have a lot of, you know, obviously uh, sales in Canada. But China is not subject to a carbon tax, but Canada is. So we've almost like reversed tariffs some of our industries with things like the carbon tax, uh, wage ceilings um, or wage floors, like spec- specifically in Alberta, that makes it difficult specifically for small businesses to start. Um, and the tariffs that we have with the U.S. Um, on various projects right now, certainly the export environment uh, with that we've seen with China, these are all specific measures that the government has an onus to correct so that we are managing back to that place of predictable government that investment is looking at. But I mean, you know, even simpler than that, it's very difficult for uh, investors to want to invest in Canada when the United States has dramatically lowered its tax regime and at the same time also simplified its regulatory burden. So uh, those are things we need to change immediately.
1: So, so Michelle, why, why is it that the it, it's perceived that the 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 current government and its administration is not pro-competitive, pro-business, looking at growth because they've they've tried to play around with how to slow down risks in let's say the mortgage world because of housing prices and so forth in Toronto and Vancouver and stuff like that, but yet they haven't brought on strategy to to help grow business because I speak to a lot of investors outside of Canada, I speak to a lot of money managers outside of Canada. And they're all saying we can put our money elsewhere. Like we're not, we're not even close in the top five in the world. And I'm speaking of of democratic um, yeah, developed, developed nations that have that we can compete with. Um, yet we're not in the top five. There's some pockets of maybe one or two companies here or there. But if you're a global manager, you're not you're not putting your money in Canada because you can you can go elsewhere. And if you're starting multiple businesses. You're not coming to Canada as choi- as as in the top five choices. I just want to be in the top five. I'm not saying we have to be number one. Yeah. Put us in the top five. But why is this? I'd government-
2: love to be number one. There's no reason why we can't, right? Like why? Yeah. Okay. The question is why. You know, somebody who's listening to your show might kind of think of Canada in the context of, let's say, like the mid '90s through you know 2011, and really where we had. I mean, look, I, I'm no surprise. I'm a federal conservative. But between, like, at least Paul Martin and, like, the Jean Chrétien Liberal government, like, they were at least talking about balanced budgets. At least they were talking about um, a regulatory environment that was pro-business. In Canada in the last, specifically, I have felt it in the last eight years, this is my eighth year in Parliament, we've really seen a shift away from sort of very, you know, centre-left, centre-right, you know, fiscal policy Mm -hmm. to much more interventionist, farther-left policy that is very heavy on government intervention and growing government into the sphere of what really should be industry, right? And a perfect example of this is the nationalization of the Kinder Morgan pipeline. That should never have happened. And so I really think that, you know, the bluntness of this is that um, this is not like, especially this election coming up. This is not, this is not a choice between sort of you know like the Paul Martin Liberal government or you know a center right Tory party. Like you've really on the left side of Canadian politics, it has been dominant, certainly in the last four years. But we're starting to see a reversal of that. It's really more towards. Um, in, in embedded in every piece of legislation is a very heavy interventionist. Uh, government, uh, you know, C-69 that I mentioned, the tanker ban bills, um, the, the I think that the policy that you mentioned around, um, like, the mortgage stress test, all of these sorts of things are very heavy-handed government interventions that scare away investors. If you're sitting on an investment call with any firm, um, they're going to be talking about these things, but it's just kind of considered not polite discourse. And I really think Canadians need to have a think about that. Um, as we go into a federal election. I think Canadians are having that. We've seen change away, like the rejection of that philosophy at the provincial level across Canada in the last year and a half or so. Um, but to me, that's what it boils down to. Government government intervention in a country like Canada should really be limited to ensuring that we have, you know, um, efficient and you know as efficiently managed possible social mm-hmm. safety nets that allow people to prosper but not taking away the role of the private sector and i know that's a little philosophical but i really think that's where we're starting to see this trend
0: michelle i want to thank you uh, we'll have to leave it on that note but we appreciate uh, always we appreciate your time joining us and keeping us informed of what's going on in ottawa and how it might affect us here
2: thank you so much
0: we've been joined by the honorable michelle rempel mp calgary nose hill tune in after the next break you're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. Uh, i got a terrific guest for this next segment um, because we got to address an issue that continues to get press and headlines because it's a real issue, right? Oh, yeah. And the question <laughs> is, is are, you know, is your retirement being affected by helping your adult children? Right? Mm-hmm. This, it's interesting. Kelly Keene's going to join us. She's a regular and contributing uh, guest to the show. She's a consumer advocate for FB Canada. Uh, Kelly, welcome back to the show.
3: Dave and Faisal, thanks for having me.
0: So can we start at a very high level with this? J- just walk us through a little bit about what you're finding, what the research is telling us about Canadians' retirements being affected by their adult children.
3: Mm-hmm. So this is a follow-up study that we did a couple of years ago, and we Mm -hmm. we actually talked about this on your show. Um, And so this survey was done by FP Canada and looked at um, parents with children under the age of 18 and parents with children over the age of 18. And and kind of similar results, but a a little little different. So for those with kids under 18, a whopping 82% said that they intended on helping out with their uh, children's post-secondary education costs. Now, right. how that's affecting parents is because of that, those parents surveyed are saying uh, nearly 50% said that they would have to delay retirement, and uh, just over 40% were saying they'd have to postpone paying off debt. And for those with kids over 18, two-thirds of them were helping out their children with post-secondary education costs. So. You know, as if parents don't have enough on their plate, uh, this is an, another strain for them, and it just begs the larger question: How much do you know? How much should parents help out their kids, and yeah. and can they? And and how are they going to do it if if they're going to do it?
0: That's a tough question, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there's so many things. There's a financial component to it. There's an emotional and a parenting component Guilt. to it. Guilt. <laughs> Guilt. I mean, I mean it's, it, this is, this is a, a big one. Now, it wasn't just, uh, if memory serves me correct from the last time we talked, to you, it's not certainly not just um, uh, education requirements. Parents are also yeah, looking whereas, at helping in other areas. Yeah, like
1: the home and stuff like right, that, down right?
0: down payments and so on and so forth. So um, speaking to those more you know over 18 adult children where did where did we find the uh, the help was going there
3: yeah and i mean a lot of this the last survey we talked about we did look at more this one yeah. we really wanted to narrow in on the education part but mm-hmm. what was interesting too from this survey was that uh, a number of parents reporting that because they had to help their children out, or their children were also going to be coming out with student loan debt that it was going to have them delaying milestones like buying a home like even getting out of the house
2: Correct. what
3: was really interesting too about this and i think this is a, a, another big big takeaway from the survey is two-thirds of parents had no idea what options there were when it came to financing their children's education. And StatsCan came out with a report recently, too, that half of Canadians are not taking advantage of, for example, the savings grant that you get within the RESP, the Registered Education Savings Plan. Correct. So, you know, Fazle, you were saying guilt, and, and Dave, you know, this overwhelming issue, and then I think you, you couple all that together and parents don't even know where to start to help pay for this uh, or what, what money, free money, they're actually leaving on the table.
1: You know, I, it, it's it's sometimes we find that clients of ours um, have the emotional <clears> reaction, <throat> and they want the numbers to figure themselves out. So, for example, in a in a conversation I had this week with a client, they said, "Yep, I want to retire at sixty-two. Everything's going great. We've got the numbers that we're going to work through. By the way, I want to buy right. my son his home." Right. And I said, "Buy as in like outright." Oh, yeah. Okay, wow. tell me a bit more about it because that's going to impact your retirement. So right. tell me a bit more. Um, well, I think it's only right that we should pay for their, their home. Like, sh-
0: were they looking to shoot. adopt? Shoot, yeah, they
1: already had adoption papers <laughs> written up and, and, and said, buy me my home too. But, <laughs> but, the, and I, I'm like, I'm looking at them, Kelly, and I'm saying, you do understand this is going to impact your retirement. Like, you're, you're not going to have the lifestyle you want and buy a home. Have you thought of down payment? Like, have you thought of the different options that are available? Like, maybe they delay their purchasing of a home by five years, and that was a no. You how dare you, how dare I ask to delay a purchase of a of a home for, by five years? Right. Was was the response? Right. So Kelly, you know, like, are we hearing more and more Canadians feeling the pressure to provide for their kids, their adult children, in their retirement?
3: Yeah, there's so much there to unpack. Um, I certainly hear that conversation a lot more in Vancouver and Toronto. I, I mean, in Alberta, too. But it's, it's kind of like, well, we did well as, as baby boomers. We have all this equity in our home, and we owe it. You know, it's so hard for kids coming out today. They've got all the student loan debt coming into huge uh, housing prices in the market, and, and we ought to help them out. And you're right. Underscores the importance of sitting down with gentlemen like you, seeing a certified financial planner, having a financial plan, because people aren't going in with their eyes wide open. And, and your case is very interesting, but what I'm seeing is parents – um, you know, helping out their kids without that plan, and they're just getting a line of credit, yeah. or they're uh, mm-hmm. doing a reverse mortgage, or God forbid, they're cashing in RSPs while they're working, paying the tax on it, not even understanding the implications of all of those major decisions. Um, and yeah, it's. I, and then here's the other part of that that conversation is what are what's the message to your children. Uh, if you're fully, and I, 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 i'm I'm just throwing the question out there. if you're fully paying for their education, if you're buying them a home, uh, you know when we came out with this survey a couple of years ago, there was a lot of heated conversations about does it you know, does a child appreciate their education more? Maybe choose. Um, you know, a topic of study that's more likely to get them a job when they get out, if they had some skin in the game. You know, yep. uh, also if you're buying that home for your kid, or even just the down payment. The thinking that home ownership is wonderful, and it is. I, I love home ownership, but but it, does your adult child have a financial plan? Are you setting them up for failure by getting them into that home that they can't maintain, pay the mo- property taxes? All that type of stuff. So I think people really need to slow down and and make sure that they have the fundamentals, make sure that they've crunched the numbers. Let the numbers, like you said, Faisal, let the numbers tell you the story, not the other way around. You yeah. can't unfortunately it, force them.
1: It's interesting how you said that. I guess it also comes down to priorities or or values. And I'll and I'll give you the example. We just brought talked about education and home purchase. I would be a hundred percent comfortable delaying my retirement and paying for my kids. Post-secondary education, versus delaying my retirement or reducing my lifestyle so they can buy a home. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I value the things differently. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. So that that's an interesting point, and I, th- I think that's maybe at the crux of it. I we I had a conversation with a client um, whose son uh, couldn't qualify for a mortgage. Not not because didn't have the necessary money, uh, but he couldn't get bank financing because of a bad credit. And it was, should we l- lend lend them the money? And I said, well, the bank's not going to lend him the money because he's not going to pay it back. Are you prepared to write it off? And here's the financial implication, Kelly, to your point. Mm -hmm. Let's run the numbers. The the math won't lie to us. Here is the implication of it. So if we run under the assumption it's not coming back, right? Mm -hmm. are you prepared for that? And it it was a tough one, right? You could see in their face. And and sometimes,
1: Dave, mm -hmm. giving to your child is not a financial thing. You can co-sign that. Now your credit rating is attached to that. Right. If you're going to give up your part of your retirement for him, you you can give up part of your credit rating for him too. Yeah, those different. So you don't approaches. have to have a financial impact. And if God forbid something has to happen, he can't make his payments, you can think of a bailout. Right, right. You don't have like it's 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 interesting.
0: Yeah, Kelly, what uh, we, we're going to have to wrap this up fairly quickly, but um, give us some advice. So, uh, what, yeah. you know, what 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 would you say? What suggestions do you have to kind of help reduce the effect of these expenses from, uh, p- uh, you know, potentially giving cattle children.
3: Well, I think everything we talked about underscores the importance of, uh, you know, somebody having a pro on their side. And when you don't have somebody to walk through these important conversations, have you... See your future self at 80 <laughs> oh, or at 70 and not being able to retire or, or be, get into that retirement residence home when you need it because the funds are depleted and the kids aren't going to be there to help you. Or or just to give them permission to say that, you know, this is this is a pretty big gift or, or to, you know, if you do this, what happens over here? Uh, Canadians so often are walking through things on their own and... You know, I, I wouldn't even dream of trying to get in shape without my nutritionist and my personal trainer and everything else. I, I don't know why everyone um, still feels that they can navigate these very complex conversations and scenarios and projections all on their own.
0: Yeah. I think that's good advice. We'll have to leave it there, Kelly. Thank you again for joining us today. Thanks, gentlemen. I've been joined by Kelly Keene, consumer advocate for FP Canada. Faisal, we've got a seminar that we should remind everybody about.
1: With all these challenges that you have going in the future, how are you going to protect profit and bulletproof your retirement. We'll talk about that on Tuesday, June 4th, 7pm. At the Carriage House Inn, you do need to reserve your seats. So give us a call nine six six eight four hundred. That's nine six six eight four zero zero, Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. All
0: right, stick around after the break because we're going to be discussing if you don't like your job anymore, should you stick in it for the money? For Love or Money, that's the next segment. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, interesting show, uh, today, um, you had an interesting conversation, uh, with a couple Mm -hmm. this week. Uh, I think that we wanted to kind of highlight. I want to call it, do I follow my heart
1: or the money? Right.
0: Yeah. So just give us a quick background because it was, it's, it's an interesting, uh, listen, lots of people will be thinking about this. So it's a good case study. So there's a, a client
1: of ours who is a, um, Employee for the government. Um, She can retire um, full benefits and retirement, so on and so forth. Um, She can retire with a reduced pension today Mm -hmm. or full pension two years from now. Okay. So the conversation is, do I retire today or two years from now? I'm not 100% happy with my job. Right. I'm in it for the money. For love or money. But my heart and passion says, get out. Right. What do I do, Faisal? Right. So I took out my magic coin <laughs> and flipped it. No, I didn't. It's the eight sure. ball thing. Yes or no, right? <laughs> yeah. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. Yeah. I, get, I don't know whenever i a
0: match, That one's broken probably. No, but this is, I mean, we're, we're, we're having a, a bit of levity here. But, the, you know, how many people are in that position, right? And it's it's... It's a delicious question to ask. Delicious. Delicious. Wow, it's an adjective I've been trying to work in all all day. It's, a, it's like you've been on Sesame Street and you <laughs> learn that's a new word. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but no, it's a it's a it's a it's a good question, and it brings the again, love or money. Right. If you don't love what you do, why are you doing it? Right. Regardless, even if you're not retired, right. Even if you got 20 years until retirement, if you don't love what you do, why are you doing it? Right. And a lot of people will say,
0: the money. The money. The money.
1: So now, and and my view is, and, th- and I'd love to hear what your your position on this one because we have different views of, of retirement. Yep. Um, when you're approaching retirement, and you can, mm-hmm. but there may be a financial discount, right, for taking it early for retiring sooner. Yeah. In this case, there is, right? right? There would there would there, there be a- is a financial hit, yep. and it will impact them to right. some degree in their retirement. Yes. Okay.
0: So knowing that, yeah, what do you do for the love? Or the money? Uh, uh, I think for me, it would be for the love. Now, I know this situation, um, and there's ways to solve the problem, Mm. right? Other than staying in the current role, right? So I would be inclined, me personally, if you're asking me right now today, uh, if I was in that position, I didn't enjoy what I did, I would not be sticking it out, not for the gap.
1: Not for that gap, ladies and gentlemen. Mark this down. It's the first time that Popovich and Carmelli actually agree <laughs> on lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I would. I totally agree. I would. I would pull the pin. I would too. Uh, and I think because um,
0: this this isn't a dire situation, right? I mean, I, well, let's be. Like clear. We're not
1: talking can I eat or not eat, right? Like we're talking. There's there, a, there's a there's an
0: incremental gap.
1: Yeah, you're really good. To now you're good. Good. Let's right. put that. That's a that's a yeah way of saying it. Yeah. So. To me, and again, it's two years. Some people will say, "Ah, oh, suck it up for two years, Faisal. You can just let it hang. You know, just work through it." In, in the long run, financially, we did the number crunching. Yeah, in the numbers look way better. Right. Way better. Right. But if you're not happy going into retirement,
0: right? Whew. Right. And and there are there are ways to make it up too, right? I mean, one of the things we talk about all the time, and I think I'm gonna. I mean, again, you're asking me today. So Dave Popovich today would be um, hard pressed to retire to nothing. Right? I would need something to do. Something to do. Right? Something to keep retire myself to. out of trouble, keep myself engaged, keep thinking, whatever, you know, whatever you're whatever you want to say. But I so in this particular case again, knowing the gap, I could find something to do and I'd want to do something. Yeah. Right? That may fill that gap. Right.
1: Just a gap. From a compensation perspective. Right. And let's say you couldn't. Let's say you the things that you want to do, right. no compensation.
0: I would still uh, w- knowing this situation i'd be i'd
1: be out. i'd be, out. I'd be well, i'm I mean, looking at you like this because i'm surprised we would agree on the same thing in this Yeah, one. no no, i, I uh, don't think we're so far off. Look at that. I don't think we're so far off. Yeah. You? So okay, so would i i would I agree with you? I would i would not um i would not stick with something i don't i don't enjoy. Right. Um Here's so. the difference
0: between us though, cuz we've talked about this before in last year's uh, retirement conference for our clients as an example. Correct. Okay. There's a, there's a couple of different personality styles. Now, i'm the personality style uh, type that can make adjustments to lifestyle too. You're not so much that way. Yeah. Right. You're not prepared to compromise on, on lifestyle. So it's interesting. So you got to factor that in. I, I only raise that because there's, there's a gap. Numbers look good. Not great. Okay. Um, are you prepared to, so it'll come down to and that's, that and I
1: think that's what you've nailed it right there. Cause if I could retire two years early, mm-hmm. but have something else to go to, to bridge the gap, I would do it. But if I can't, right. Then I would stick it out for two years because, like you said, I'm lifestyle focused. Right. I do not want to sacrifice the things that I enjoy doing. Right. The freedom within my boundaries. Right. Um. And so I would, I would, I, I, I would possibly just hang in there for two more years so I can enjoy. 40 more years after that.
0: I actually don't think you would. Having said that, I think you would find something else. Something else. Could, but
1: if I couldn't. Right. But like if I knew I could not do that, like my, let's say my skills were not transferable to something right. else where I can be compensated on. Right. I would hang it out for two years. I would, because hmm. of my, my lifestyle is way more important to me over the long term yeah. than two years of being unhappy. I've been working with you for so how many years. <laughs> A ten. So what's two yeah. more years? 10, Twelve years, something like like, that. like it's yeah <laughs> yeah no fair.
0: But uh, if for context of our listeners, he's way younger than me. This is the, he he hasn't been beat up nearly enough yet. He's gonna look into your future, my friend. I tell you that all every the time. time you tell yeah. me that. Every time.
1: Yes, and I think that's a very um, okay. And these are the kind of dilemmas that people go through. And this is this was a pension conversation. Yep. Many, many, many Canadians do not have a pension conversation. Right. And so now they're saying, can I rely on my money 100% right. to live my lifestyle and do it sooner? Right. Or do I delay and yeah. do I keep on working and save some more money and and, but I don't love what I do. Right. And so the, the soul searching that that person has to go through is, is there an alternative?
0: So I, I'm going to challenge our listeners, actually, because I think this is a really cool question. It's something that lots of people struggle with. Um, email us. Send us your thought. Would you or would you not? And a little bit of the reason why. I'd be very interested to hear... Uh, your thoughts on this, and uh, yeah, I want your yeah, I want your opinions too. I want yeah. to see
1: what would you do. Would you do it for the love, yeah, or would you do it for the money?
0: And again, it's not a I can't eat situation. It's good to great, good to great, correct. correct. Whatever that means to you, good to great. Would you do it? Would you stick it out, or would you? Uh would you uh, pull the pin?
1: Yeah, now now these types of conversations that we have, Dave, um, do not enter generally into our seminars that we, we educate people on a monthly basis. But what we do talk about is the financial risks that are out there, how literally people either have to change their lifestyle or they may go broke. They may run out of money, which is a big fear uh, of, of people. And so in that seminar, we go through um, some... Exercises mm-hmm. on how that could happen. Yep. What's the solution to that problem? How do you then take that solution and implement it with the least amount of risk to you? Right. So we know that many Canadians don't have a pension and don't have to right. have that problem of can I get a reduced pension versus a full pension. But in general terms, that's exactly what you're going to be doing if you even if you've got your own money.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, like if exactly.
1: you're 100% invested with your own cash, your own investment, your own
0: pension. Yeah,
1: it's your own pension. Right. And if you said I want to retire. At 63 versus 65, it's a reduced pension potentially. Right. Right. Exactly the same. Now, the reduced pension might be reduced dollars, Mm -hmm. or it might be delaying um, when you can have certain types of activity or lifestyle. Maybe you can't go on a trip every year. You do it every two years.
0: Or maybe you're front-ending it. We have a lot of conversations about that. I'm young and healthy right now. I may be going to spend a little bit more in the next 10 years knowing- Right, do the analysis, knowing that it, it might impact what I can do later. later on. On. yeah, okay. and you're making that decision right. up front. That's right.
1: right. Right, and so sometimes the enjoyment of today might be worth more to you
0: than having something in the future. Right, yeah. So yeah, right? it's this is the interesting aspect of retirement. It's not just the math. The math doesn't lie to us. Correct. Right, we do the analysis. It doesn't lie, but it's the complexity of these kinds of conversations. Um, you know, if if you have a family member or, or a friend, a close friend, have a health event. I can tell you every single time that happens, we are redoing a financial plan where the conversation has fundamentally changed Correct retirement. Correct. Right? It's the
1: complexity of those softer issues. Uh, my my uh, father's friend passed away uh, this week, and that was the conversation after the funeral. mm mm-hmm. um, came out okay so now what are you what are you going to do with your life now are you going to are you going to change the way you handle things or and it's interesting when people start to discuss about well our friend just died so now I want to maximize my life because I'm going to die now somehow it just happens every time it happens every time so I think these are these are triggers yep that that require you to have ongoing consultation and reflection and reflection and we're going to talk about all how, how you do all this yeah at our seminar on Tuesday, June 4th, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400-966-8400, or go to our
0: website
4: at morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. Have a great day.